Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. UFOs are everywhere, literally. In the mainstream news, on the floors of Congress, in the minds of our most brilliant scientists, and most importantly, somewhere in the skies. When Ryan Sprague was a kid, he and his father saw something in the skies that they couldn't explain. Ryan's father moved on with his life. Ryan did not. And he's on a search to find answers not only about what he saw that night, but what hundreds of thousands of people are seeing across the world. And he wants you to go on that search with him on Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Ryan interviews people in all walks of life about their own personal UFO sightings and their thoughts and theories about what could truly be out there. From comedians like Dave Foley, Reese Darby, Kumail Nanjiani, and Michael Ian Black, to former intelligence officials like the director of the once secret Pentagon UFO program, Louis Elizondo, the former deputy assistant secretary of defense, Christopher Mellon, from Harvard astrophysicist Dr. Avi Loeb finding literal interstellar alien balls at the bottom of the ocean to some of today's leading researchers and journalists covering the UFO topic, Ryan brings listeners on a cosmic voyage to try to find answers to the age-old question, are we alone? After listening to Somewhere in the Skies, chances are we most definitely are not. Somewhere in the Skies is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, visit somewhereintheskies.com. Hello and welcome to Really with uh, Tom and Dave. I persist in being the Dave, uh, Dave Foley to be specific. And today is a special surprise. We have, uh, I believe, as Tom, is it Tom Wheeler? 
That is I. And uh, we do have a wonderful guest today, Jean Anzoulis, uh, originally from Connecticut, is an esteemed theater educator and a proud alumnus of New York University. After graduating, Jean embarked on a long and fulfilling career in theater education, living, working, and raising a family of five children in New York City for the majority of her adult life. Jean's life, however, is not only marked by her passion for theater and education, but also by an extraordinary encounter she experienced just before turning 15. This encounter of the otherworldly kind is a story she shared with only a handful of close friends, myself included. Um, you see, Jean and I have been friends for over 30 years, and we met at Playwrights Horizons Theater School in 1990. She happens to be one of my favorite people. Uh, when we met, we became fast friends, and Jean, along with being a fabulously talented actor and director, became a real mentor and guide for me as well as others in our circle of friends in what was an interesting year. Um, those who know Jean know her kindness, her wisdom, her uncanny intuition, her loyalty, her incredible talent, and her strength of character. Um, Jean's sharing her experience, um, Jean's sharing of her experiences has stayed with me all these years and really was a pivot point for me. It's one of, if not the primary reason I'm still so captivated by this subject today. Um, now, despite her hesitation and a general avoidance of ufology, Jean has chosen to share her unique experience with a wider audience here today on Really. Her hopes that by bringing her encounter into the light, she may encourage and empower others who have had similar experiences to share their own stories. Um, Jean wants us to know she's not an alien enthusiast, nor does she consider herself part of a ufology. Those circles um, bears no you know, ill will towards them. It's just something that she hasn't been a part of. Uh, but she she does feel like she stands as a testament to those extraordinary experiences that defy explanation and broaden our perception of the universe. And she's our guest today. I'm looking forward to it. Hi, Jean. Hi. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hi, Dave. Hello, Jean. So nice to meet you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, it's, nice it's to... so good to see you again. Oh. It's so good to see you. I know. Oh, Old so... friends. It's nice to meet someone who knew Tom before he was so jaded. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. He, innocent yes, days. He was, it's hard to imagine. Yes, pure innocence back in the day. Yes. Tom yes. Was. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> turbulent, turbulent years. How are you? Yeah. What, how How are you? How are you feeling about this? I am uh, pretty nervous. I mean, equal parts kind of excited and nervous. I I saw that you um, you had posted that you were starting a podcast. And I thought, oh gosh, I I hope he doesn't reach out to me. And then you did, like just moments later, I got this message from you. And I thought, oh, well, damn, there it is. And um, and you did reach out to me. And I really, I did really appreciate it because, you know, it's a mix of of feelings when you have something like this happen. You know, it's been um, well, you know, it happened in 1978 and it's now 2023. So it's been a long time of, um, you know, having people be, you know, cynical about any time you share that story. And so it's kind of a mix because now it seems like things have changed a little bit and people are definitely more 
receptive. And I've actually had a few very dear friends that I told this story two years ago, reach out to me to say, you know, a little bit like, sorry, I didn't believe you back then, or it seems like this is happening. And and I really just thought you were telling us some wacky story um, and didn't really believe you. So I'm sorry, because I think you know, now I'm, I believe what you were telling me. So it's, it's been an interesting couple of years um, since all of this has happened. And um, so I feel a little bit more, uh, you know, ready to, you know, share my story, I guess, in the hopes that um, maybe it'll inspire some other people to um, come forward, because I think there's a lot of people out there who have stories to tell, who are just normal, everyday people um, who, who haven't been telling their story because yeah. you're up against so much in doing that. So anyway, so I really, as, as nervous as I am to do it and um, as much as it's been sort of brewing in my, my mind, I've, there hasn't been a day in my life since this happened to me that I haven't thought about it. Um, so uh, it's not as if it's like re-traumatized me in some way. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you guys. Oh, yeah. and, and, and I think you're right. It's, 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 I think it's tremendously helpful. Uh, you know, even, 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 if, even if one other person hears you tell your story and goes, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, yes. I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not crazy. This, these things are happening. And Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, this is it's a, a double, it's like a, it's a sort of double whammy because there's the, um, and when, you know, the, the audience hears your story, they'll realize how fucking scary it is and how outside of the realm of anything any of us could possibly sort of imagine. And, you know, and so there's this aspect of assault, which is already something that's so personal and so difficult to discuss. And then on top of it, as um, you, you know, you experience this kind of additional stigma of like, of just people not even, um, you know, having trouble. Wasn't it something else? Wasn't it? Couldn't it have been? Are you sure? You You must have been dreaming. (laughs) It must have been a dream. Mm -hmm. And this is just, and again, and if I haven't already said that again, thank you for trusting us with this. And um, I, I felt, you know, reaching out the way I did. I mean, it's just, it's been on my mind quite a bit and I've remembered it for 30 years, of course. Um, And, and it was really, you know, such a moment as I think I've told you of like where I'm, you know, we're, we're really close friends and this, this story. And it really forced me to just say like, well, what, where, where am I on this? You know, I, yeah. can I do, I, how, you know, how, how, on the one hand, I have to reconfigure my version of the universe, you know, and how it works. And, you know, and yet I, um, there was no question in my mind, you had been through this experience and this was, you know, and, and I, and it really did just create uh, this enduring interest in this topic. And we yeah. had a conversation with uh, Ralph Blumenthal, who wrote this book about John Mack, who was the Harvard psychiatrist who dedicated the last part of his career to these kinds of cases. And there was no way I could read that without thinking about you. And so, you know, I, and thank you for, again, trusting us with this and having the courage to come on and talk about it. And I do think it's something that can really be of value to people. And, and I believe it will be, um, 
we'll hear many, many more of these stories as yeah. more and more of this becomes sort of open to the world and people realize something is truly going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you reached out in such a beautiful way too. I have to say just that you also acknowledged or understood that um, it might be difficult. It wasn't just like, you were like, Hey, you have this cool story. You want to tell it on my podcast, you know, crazy. you really reached out yeah. in such a lovely way. And, um, and I, you know, I, if I was going to trust anybody uh, with it, it would absolutely be you and, um, oh, and Dave. And so I'm, I'm, well, I don't know how I got that trust, but whatever. <laughs> well, because if Tom, you know, anybody who Tom I loves vouch. and admires, I, I yes, he, he vouched for you. Oh, so good. I, I trust. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, listen, uh, you know, uh, w- without, I guess, further ado, I mean, the, this is, you, you mentioned this is 1978, 1978. Yep. Summer, summertime, 1978. So I was not yet 15. Mm-hmm. Where are we? Uh, this, we are in orange, Connecticut. And it is um, it is a very hot uh, summer night, and um, I have a brother and sister. They were uh, away working at a summer camp up in Maine, so it was just myself in my house with my uh, with my parents. And um, it was a it was an I don't remember if it was a Wednesday or a Thursday. It was definitely a, a night during the week, um, and um, it was it was hot. And so one of my windows I had a corner bedroom, and one of my windows had a fan. But I mean. Anybody who grew up in the 70s, I don't know, I guess, you know, we didn't really have uh, AC, you know, you just kind of, you just had to be hot at night. So I had a fan, a window fan that was blowing the hot air out of my room. Um, and then one, one window was, the window that was across was open and had a screen in it. May I, what's the, what's the, the neighborhood like, I guess? I mean, is it lots of houses? Yeah. Is it lots of, what's the sort of makeup of the neighborhood yeah. and then the house itself? Yeah, so it was a it was a ranch style house, and um, it was uh, right along the um, the backside is the Housatonic River. So this is um, if I walked through the woods to my house, I could get to the Housatonic River behind my house. Um, it was it was a wooded um, neighborhood, but very much like a cul de sac sort of thing. Lots of ranch houses that had been built, probably you know nineteen seventy. Early seventies in there, and um, uh, we had lived there. I had moved there when I was ten years old. Um, so um, you know, it was just it was a it was it wasn't um, it wasn't fancy by any stretch of the imagination. But we did live in a town that was a little bit more fancy, um, and so our neighborhood though was a little bit more just simple, just mm-hmm. three bedroom ranch style houses basically. And is that so? Is that like one story? Like I'm showing my architecture. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. one story and, uh, you know, in a basement, but just a, a one story mm-hmm. house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a not, not a heavily populated neighborhood. Not to sort of uh, we had, you know, we had, uh, we had neighbors all around us. Um, you know, we probably on my one street on the part of my street, we had probably eight neighbors around mm-hmm. us there. Yeah. Um, but we did back up to this large wooded area yeah. where the river went. So it was just this pocket and then it was kind of a wooded area. It sounds yeah. like a nice place to be a kid. It was a great place to be a kid. Yeah, yeah it really was. Yeah, I really, yeah, had a great, had a great childhood, you know, very yeah. happy life there and, um, lots of good friends and, uh, yeah, and was 
you know, free kind of in the seventies as kids were more free and just rode our bikes around the neighborhoods. Our parents never really knew what we were doing or what we were up to. And, um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So this night happens where, you know, it's a hot summer night and it just seems like a very normal night and I go to sleep and, um, I am awoken, uh, in the middle of the night by this, um, incredible light in my room. And it's, um, and I, I, you know, open my eyes, I see this bright light and I open my eyes to see that my room is entirely filled with this, um, you know, pulsating, uh, not normal, not like a flashlight or, you know, my whole room is, is beaming in this bright pulsating light that's accompanied by this sound, which is like a very low vibrational, um, sort of thrumming kind of sound, pulsating lights and things. And I wake up and I look, I had one of those old clock radios that had the big red LED lights or whatever. And it says, you know, 153, because I, I was like, what time is it? You know, what's going on? It's like 153. And I'm, I'm hearing, seeing this light. And I, I, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, what is going I actually remember sort of pinching myself being like, are you dreaming? Like, what is going on? And this light was so, th- and the sound sound was so like in my chest, this thrumming sound in my chest. And I thought, um, you know, go, it must be, maybe it's like a, a plane crash or something, maybe a plane crashed outside your, your room. And I start hearing like the dogs are barking in the neighborhood. And then I hear this car go, you know, down the road. And I'm like, Oh, something's happened. You know, they're seeing this, something that's outside my window or whatever. So I, I go to get up out of the bed and I am immediately, um, sort of, uh, taken off my feet and I start to levitate or float in the room. And so there's this pulsating light and now I am floating and I am. And the light is, ex- to... the, does the light exclusively come through the window? Is that, does it feel that way? No, it, it feel like yes. It... it felt like the light was coming from a source that I could not imagine how there could possibly be that much light in coming into my room. Also the sound I mean, this is where I'll say, like, when people say, oh, you were just dreaming or whatever, it's like you can't possibly understand the power of these feelings. It wasn't just a little light. It wasn't just a little humming noise. You know, it was literally taking over my whole entire, but the power of it was just immense. Do do you remember the sound first or the light first? I mean, was what do you think? No, I remember waking up because I saw like this bright light sort of, it seemed like it just instantly sort of flashed in my eyes. And I, so I, I woke up and I, that sound was there. It was all kind of one unit, but definitely what I noticed first was this bright light was in my room. Mm -hmm. Um, it seemed to me in the experience, like kind of the moment that I, um, felt myself leaving my bed and just like suspended in my room, I, um, definitely felt like the intensity of the lights, the intensity of the sound to me just seemed to be getting louder and more pulsating and more vibrational and, um, and so I, I'm there levitating and I remember thinking, you know, try to um, turn yourself, like try, try to get out of the situation, you know, try to move your body to get 
to my parents. You know, I'm starting to think like I can scream, I can do something, but I can't do anything. I'm, I'm like literally locked in. I'm um, suspended. Um, and, but absolutely 100% awake. And I, and I keep saying things to myself, like snap out of it, you know, wake yeah. up, like what is going on, you know, but I, the whole time realizing, no, that this is, I am awake. And again, you know, the dogs are barking and I'm like, the dogs are barking. They're seeing this thing, whatever this thing right. is. And I'm still kind of a little bit thinking that a plane might have crashed. You know, I, I, my brain is not like allowing myself to think that this is some other, and I, I wasn't really like, um, I wasn't really like into UFO stuff or it wasn't part of my, it wouldn't have been part of my, like my family storytelling or so I, that was not where my brain immediately went, you know, in this, this is also, this yeah, this is, this is about, I don't know, 12, 10, 10, 10 years before communion came out the book. I mean, there just wasn't that much, um, on this topic at the time, particularly if you're not looking for it. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know when Close Encounters came out, but I did not see that in, in the movie theater at the time that it came out. I just, it wasn't part of it's not I, thing, it just yeah. wasn't something yeah. I thought about or yeah. worried about or, um, and so I just kept thinking, you know, right. It must be a plane crash. Something else is happening, trying to excuse the, the oddity of the moment. Um, but there, as I'm suspended there, I, I have this moment where I realize, like, no, I'm actually kind of in trouble here. Like something is happening to me and I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, in danger or I'm in trouble. And I can start to feel myself um, beginning to pass out a, a bit because the noise is so loud and the lights are so loud and I'm realizing I'm in trouble. So now I'm panicking and I, you know, guess I pass out because then at 2.53, I find myself in my bed and I open my eyes and I look over at my clock and I see that it's 2.53, but so I one, see that one now exact, my room, one exact exactly hour. an hour later. Um, and, I, you know, and I wake up in a state, like I don't just wake up like, oh, oh, that was weird or whatever. I am like, <laughs> like yeah. what is happening, <laughs> you know? And I, um, I'm sitting up in my bed and then I am um, in my room, what I'm seeing <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so weird to tell. Sorry, I just had a moment where I'm I'm going right. back into like this is the moment where I tell people, try to tell people this story, and then they're like, oh, huh, you know. So, anyways, pardon me, but what I saw in my room, I'll just keep continuing plowing through it. Yeah. Um, what I saw was um, uh, shapes and um, sort of a force or energy fields if you were sort of this pink hazy light a lot of small tiny blue electrical sort of dots floating all around me and um definitely knowing that I was not alone in my room now I I couldn't really make out I I didn't have the experience of the alien head with the, you know, the big yeah. eyes or whatever, but I was definitely sharing something else was in my room with me. And they, um, I, I went to make a quick exit to see if I could try to get to my parents and the same thing sort of happened. I got up, I went to move. And then I was again, like sort of suspended and levitated. But this time I was, you know, floating above my floor and I was, um, being handled 
you know, I could feel things touching me, looking at me, pulling my arms, pulling my legs. Um, and then I remember them sort of, I could feel, um, you know, a lot of energy like around my head, moving my head, opening my mouth. And I am completely, you know, terrified. And, um, and then I uh, heard them say to me in my mind, you know, you don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. And at the same time, as I heard that, I could also hear the sounds of language, like orally, like just through my external ear could hear Wow, that's cool. making yeah. noises. Yeah. But inside, I'm getting the message that they don't want me to be afraid. Um, and so I now I'm trying to figure out how I communicate back to them, right? I've gotten this message. So then I try to say, but I am, but you, but I am afraid. Um, and they said, again, you don't have to be afraid. But this is all the while they're you know, things are in my mouth or they're like examining my head and lifting mm-hmm. up and pulling open my mouth. Do you, perceive, do you perceive you still perceive you're in your bedroom? Oh, I'm definitely in my bedroom. So yeah, the, this am, is, this is occurring sort of over your, over your bed on the bed. This over. is over, it, this is over my floor, like right yeah. to the side of my bed, just over, over my floor. And it's still um, just a vague, a vague presence visually oh, i mean visually yeah. it was like no my room was very filled yeah with this but not uh, a, not a defined uh no creatures the shapes of things yeah. no just shapes like morphing sort of shapes i wish i could take out what's in my brain yeah. maybe ai will someday help me do that but um it was kind of like a haze of light but it could move it was, um, yeah, like maybe if you imagine sort of like clouds, like, but in my space and they were changing shapes and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was being, you know, d- very much like handled, like yes. being physically e- examined, yeah. physically handled. Yeah. And, um, is there a pain so, associated with it or no, just terror, terror? No. Yeah. Just pure terror, <laughs> just pure terror. And, um, but, but no, no pain, um, which is the moment when they, again, sort of reiterated to me, you don't have to be afraid. And I could hear them, you know, like I said, I could hear them sort of outside. And I, I, then I said, um, I'm I didn't say it out loud, you know, in my mind. Right. Um, and I, I said, I, I'm trying to understand you, but you're, I'm so frightened if you could stop making me so afraid then maybe I could understand what you're trying to tell me. So that is kind of the last thing I remember of that segment was me getting my, pulling myself together enough to try to communicate to them that I understand that you're trying to talk to me because I could hear them out here trying to say something to me. Um, And I just, I'm so scared that I can't hear you. But if you stop scaring me so much, then I will be able to hear you. And then I I could feel myself slipping away again and like passed out again. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up again and I am now on my stomach on my my bed, which is very strange because I've never slept on my stomach. So the minute I was on my stomach, I was like, ah, also something yeah. terrible has happened to me. But I have this like little sub memory of being lying on my stomach on my bed and um knowing that 
you know, things were in the room with me or something was looking at me and feeling a sheet being pulled over my body. So that's like a little sub memory within that little space of time. Um, anyway, so I'm lying on my stomach. I um, Im- immediately sit up. I see that big red, those big red letters saying 353. And the room is completely silent. Three hours exactly later. Okay. Yeah. Three hours later. And the room is completely silent. And I think, oh my God, you know, like I am like weeping now. I'm like, thank God, like, this, this is like over. This nightmare is over. And I, I go to run to make a, make a run for my parents' bedroom. Um, and the lights hit the, you know, the sound comes in again, but it is as if they wanted to let me know just how powerful they really were. It was like act one was nothing, you know, let's like do the full light and sound show. Um, you know, and like wind too. I mean, I definitely remember that I could feel sort of my hair blowing back in what felt like this wind, like in the middle of summertime, you know? Anyway, so this very loud sound, very loud rumbling, you know, the, the lights just um, are, are you spiraling, in the, spiraling lights, not pulsating, are, like, like spiraling. Are you in the lights. hallway at this point or are you, have you no, made it out of I your room? I didn't make it point? out. No, I didn't make it out. Cause like the minute I like got my feet on the ground, the light show started, the sound started, but it was so strong. It was like, it was, I couldn't even, um, I, I just couldn't even really move. It was, it was so intense. And then I was also afraid to move because I didn't want to be like you know, captured again or whatever, but all of this was happening out, you know, it was in my room, but I felt like they were gone. I did not feel like that the creatures were still in the room with me. Um, so this felt more like it was something that was happening on the outside or they were taking off or the spaceship was going up into the sky or something. Right. So it was very, very loud. Um, and then it went, um, completely silent, like just in a moment. And I sat there for a second thinking, surely this is not over. They're going to be back in a moment, just kind of wait it out. And then I thought, okay, no, do it, go and wake up mom and dad. And I um, went, got up, walked down the hallway, um, past my parents' bedroom, went into the bathroom. I actually peed on the floor, um, turned around, came back into my bedroom, passing my parents' room the whole time, sort of going like, no, go in, go in. But I just didn't. And then I sat on my bed and I thought, why aren't you going to your parents' room? And then... I, I don't remember what happened after that. I, I heard my father's car door the next morning on his way to work. He slammed the car door. I immediately jumped out of bed, completely terrified and panicked, ran into my parents' bedroom, um, woke my mother up. And I was like, mom, you know, I'm sobbing. I'm weeping. I, I'm like, mom, something terrible happened to me. <laughs> something so horrible happened to me. And my mother, you know, sat up and she was like, oh my God, oh my God, something terrible has happened. You know, something terrible. I was trying to get to you, but something was holding me down to the bed. There was something holding me down to the bed. And I couldn't get to you. And so now she's hysterical. I'm hysterical. We're trying to talk about what has happened. My mother calls my dad's office. And All right, like, well, you have wait. to Vic. Slow down, slow down, because this yeah, is like, no, no, it's, 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 it's super intense oh. and interesting, but I just want to establish like your mother had an experience. Yes. My mother had an experience. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how did yeah. she, how did she 
I mean, I know you're, I recognize you guys are both kind of hysterical. So there's a lot of back yeah, and forth. Yeah. And that's, yeah, we're kind, kind of, and I was like, did you see the lights? And she's like, there were lights. <laughs> did you see so the she, what run us through what she, what you could get from her yeah. that she saw and experienced. Yeah. So my mom definitely heard the noise and the lights, you know, saw the lights, but she could not get out of her bed. She felt like she was being held down in her bed. And she was trying to get to my room exactly as I was trying to get to her room. And she was held down to the bed and she could not get to me at all. Um, And so she did not experience the same kind of um, examination or not that she remembers um, or the, the levitation part, but she remembers being awake and for what seemed like hours, you know, she said it was like, I went on for hours and hours and hours of trying to get out of the bed. Um, and then not understanding why my dad wasn't also, um, doing something. She was like, he, my, um, you know, my dad was completely still like lying in his bed, completely still. And she was very aware that he had not moved at all. And she was trying to, you know, fight flail make her way up. Um, you know, did hearing she, these noises, hearing the sounds, you know, did she perceive uh, your distress? Yes, she could. She, she said that I I'm, I'm pretty sure I recall her saying that she could hear me either talking or screaming and, you know, was like trying to get to me. She could hear that something was happening with me and she could not get to me. So, you know, so that moment for me was, um, you know, just absolute confirmation in that moment, right? Yeah, that I mean, was, that must was, have been a tremendous like, relief. I mean, my God. Well, it was a mix of things, honestly, because I was like, it just became so real. Her oh, response true, and yeah. her also panic and terror made it like there is no getting out of this gene. Like that thing that happened, there's like no getting out of it now because you have a person here who absolutely experienced the same thing. So there's no way that you could just say, oh, I mean, not that I could have anyway, because it wasn't, there's no way you could relate an experience like that to a, a but you might or compartmentalize. Or, yeah, you might compartmentalize if you're the only maybe. person, you might just say, okay, I'll just never address yeah. that again, but I will, you know, but yeah, yeah. corroboration, corroboration, I guess, is a sort of dual-edged sword. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it confirms yeah. it happened. And I will just say that my mom is um, an extremely you know, religious person. She is. So, yes. So this this kind of thing, you know, would not be something that she would have um, said. If somebody else told this story, my mother would have been the cynic. Yeah. You know, Um, but she calls my father's office and says, you know, when um, Vic gets in, have him immediately come home. We have an emergency. And so my dad comes home and we are still completely um, panicked. I've been crying now for, you know, an hour. What was your Um, mother's interpretation of what the hell had happened? Or did she have one? I mean, they just know that something. Oh, her interpretation, like right off was that it was you, you were being abducted or it was an alien abduction. It was alien to her right away. There was like no question about it whatsoever. She wasn't interpreting it as demonic or anything through a religious. No, no, uh, no, not at all. No, she was like, it was absolutely, there was aliens. And that's what she told my dad. She was like, aliens tried to abduct our daughter last night and you you know, you have to get home right away. And I, I didn't really, um, 
I suppose it was through my mother saying that or, or making that sort of pronouncement that made me feel like, well, that is the only logical explanation because yeah. I still didn't really know. I, I, I just knew I was having this experience. It was completely otherworldly, nothing like I'd ever experienced it before. Um, and so I think that's, she was absolutely 100% confident that that is what had happened. And yeah. so I, 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 you know, I no. felt like if this is the truth, what I, else could it be? No, I, can you only, know? I can only imagine your mother, as a parent, that just that, yes. that, that terror of knowing your child is at yes. risk and being immobilized. Yes. I mean, I, yes. Can't think, I can't think of anything more frightening. Well, another interesting, I'll add another little interesting story, if I may here, which is, you know, I didn't tell any of my kids until they were all like 16 about this at all, because I, I did not want them to grow up with any sort of fear of, um, you know, something like that happening to them or something like that, something happening to me. Or, um, so I just was very quiet about, um, any of that with my kids. And, um, a couple of years ago, my son Hans told me that my mother told him that when she was in high school, she saw a cigar shaped vessel floating over her, um, floating over her backyard. And that she never really told any about it, buddy about it. And that she didn't want to tell me because after what happened to me, she was afraid that it would, it would scare me too much to know that like something also happened to her. But then it made sense to me all these years later. Yeah. I was like, that's why she believed or that's why she knew what it was because my mother had also had an experience when she was younger. Mm-hmm. So this is probably why she was so ready to maybe... Or, or maybe yeah. feel what it was. Yeah, but what, you know? what was your dad's response when he got home from work? Well, so my dad came home and my poor he dad. He came right home, right? Dad. It wasn't, it was. Oh came, yeah, he came right yeah. home. Oh, because there was like, there was no, you know, nobody would ever have called my father at work yeah. to ever leave work for any reason, you know? So this had to be big, you know? So he came home and my mother and I are trying to explain to him everything that happened. And he is looking at us like, you know, this seems crazy. Like, what are you two talking about? But my mother was like, Vic, you have to call the police department. You have to call them right now. Something has happened. Somebody else has reported it. That person, that person that was in the car that screeched down the road, that person saw something. They reported it. Get on the phone right now. You have to report it. And my dad kept being like, Linda, can we just talk about it a little bit more? What the like, fuck do is I going really on? Yeah, have I mean, to call the police, wow. you know? Yeah. Are you guys sure you want me to call the police? And my mother was like, no, absolutely. Somebody, we, we need to tell somebody. Somebody, something terrible happened. Something terrible has happened to Jeannie. You know, she's not normal now, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, get on the phone. My mother was like completely in, in total hysterics. And can I ask and you, my, your, your mother also heard the car screeching outside? Did she have? I don't know if my mother heard the car, but, but I had told, told her, her, like, yeah. I think somebody saw something, yeah. you know, because I heard this car screeching. But and But your dad is now the, so car- my dad the Gary is, Gar character from. Yeah. In yes. Close Encounters, right? Like, what yes. the hell am I, I dealing? With? I haven't seen it. I don't know. I haven't okay. seen Close Encounters, but I'll, 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 I'll hear you on that. So my dad is just yeah. Don't, Gene. Don't, don't to... at this point. You don't. I don't. Oh, I don't, don't, need, I don't to. need to see it. You, yeah, no, I don't think you need to. All right. <laughs> so my dad. So we make my dad. You know, call the Orange Police Department, and um, he's like, "Hello." Um, you know, this is Vic Anzulis. I live on this address, and um, I'm just curious to know. Did anybody report any strange sightings, <laughs> you know, and I, and now I'm watching my father and I'm picking up a lot of information, you know, about how 
he's reacting to it and talking about it. Um, and I can see that he is concerned because again, this would be a very odd situation that his wife and his daughter would be having this incredible reaction, um, to something if it wasn't real. Um, but now he's having to put himself forward to sort of relay this story. And as he's talking to the officer, um, you know, we can sort of hear the officer being like, well, what kind of strange occurrence and what exactly did you see? And he was like, well, there were strange lights and strange sounds. Mm -hmm. And my daughter felt like she was, maybe there were things in the room with her. Oh, are you saying you had an intruder? Well, an intruder of a sort, you know, and so my dad is trying to do it and we're talking to him as he's trying to talk to the police officer to get all the descriptions down. And the police officer, you know, very nicely says, well, we, we didn't have any other reports but we will let you know if somebody else reports. Um, but, you know, we'll take your notes down. Um, do you want to make an official record of your report? And my dad was like, well, we'll discuss it and then we'll, we'll sort of see. But if you guys hear anything else, would you please give us a call back? Um, I'm assuming that no calls ever came back or at least not that I knew of or not that my parents shared with me. Um, and, but that weekend, um, we went to, we had a family gathering and we were there and all my aunts and uncles were there and, um, we arrive and my mom immediately says, you know, everybody, everybody sit down. Th this thing has happened to us, you know, wow. and she starts telling all of the cousins in my family about this experience that happened. And I, and I'm just sitting there watching, um, you know, everybody's faces and everybody's reactions. And I, can clearly see it's like my it was the biggest fastest immediate introduction into you're not going to really be believed like it might be better to just kind of shut up because people were sort of making jokes and people started kind of let and you know my family was lovely I'm sure nobody meant to hurt anybody's feelings but you know I mean this is a time when you know people were encouraged to absolutely not <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I don't think yeah. that anything like that could be real. 
Um, and so there was just a lot of joking and people, you know, and my uncle kind of was winking at me like, oh, I know, like, oh, yeah, that must have been terrible. You know, <laughs> and I was like, what does that even mean? Like, why are you <laughs> looking at me like that? It was real, you know, and then my mom said, Jeannie, do you want to tell it? You know, do you want to tell everybody, you know, what happened to you? And I was just like, no, I really, I, I really don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. And, um, I think I started to cry, you know, because I just felt the pressure of it all. And I, and I knew I wasn't going to be believed. And so I sort of, you know, ran out of the room, <laughs> just like cried with all my angst and, um, you know, and, uh, I, I just knew when I came back out that everyone just, you know, I'm sure somebody in there was believing my mother and I, but I also think, there was just a lot of skepticism, which I also get because, you know, I would have been skeptical probably too, had I, had it not been, if it had been somebody else telling that story at that time, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, what so, was anyway, the, so that, what would you, how would, I mean, how would you define your, well, I have two questions. One, did you ever, um, did your dad, your mom, did you with the neighborhood kids, anyone ever canvas the neighbors or at, or was it sort of like, I mean, I guess it's a, again, it's a hard, it's a hard no. thing to, yeah. hey, did you guys see that UFO that came yeah. into my house? I mean, not, yeah, exactly. I mean, people wouldn't have done that. I mean, I don't think my dad would have risked his, you know, own like neighborhood reputation as being yeah. like, oh, now they're the crazy people that lived on the, on the cul-de-sac, you know, so they saw a UFO, you know. Uh, but I, I, but I, but I, what I want to say is that I'm, I'm practically guaranteeing that on that night other people saw something, but it's a collective silence. Nobody right. was talking. Nobody except my dad called the cops because my mom was so insistent that something was terribly wrong um, that she made. And who knows, maybe some other people did call the cops and they just either called my father back or he didn't tell me or, um, but you know, the situation, this did, just didn't happen to me. And it just didn't happen to my mother. It did happen also to my father. He just doesn't remember. It happened to our entire neighborhood. They just don't remember. But right. there's yeah. no way that this event didn't have an effect on many people. It's just those people just don't remember for yeah. some reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. And did you... Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say I'm in. I'm, I'm one level. I, I keep thinking how great it is that at least you could you had you could share this with your mother. Yes. No. So to yes, not be that was... completely isolated, and 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 yes. the fact that your mother had had this sort of fortitude and you know the bravery to like to just say it happened and yes and, and be yes and confront people with it. Yeah. Um, but I think also too, probably after the whole family thing and I, you know, I, I don't really know how many people probably my mother ended up telling this story to. Um, but I would, I would venture a guess that my mother also really, um, prides herself on her, um, you know, reputation, how, how her community sees her, how people see her. She's, um, she, you know, I think values her loyalty and trust to people, um, or, or how people perceive her in that way. So I, I think she probably would have also been like, you know, no, no, I'm not sure how many people I'm going to talk well, to this. The, yeah. Really the, about, the pressure you know? to be silent about something like this is immense. And, uh, absolutely. Definitely. I, you know, yeah. How were you processing yeah. this in that, in the, the weeks subsequent, like uh, the, the weeks well, after? 
Yeah, it was the last night of sleep I ever had. I can tell you that I have not slept one night through um, since that night. In even um, now, and that is absolute. Oh yeah, most of the people I know, like my husband of thirty eight years, I think now, Troy, um, will say that he's barely known like a sleeping gene. You know, mostly I'm awake because, um, you know, I I basically sleep through the hours of like four to seven kind of, mm-hmm. which is sort of also an interesting thing to note. Um, yeah. Years later, somebody pointed out to me that, oh, it was 353 um, when it stopped. And it's interesting that you say yeah. you sleep from four to seven. I've also, interestingly enough, met a few other people who've told me that they sleep best from four to seven. And I have secretly suspected that they also might have had an abduction story yeah. uh, in their past that they just aren't really talking about. I do not know if other people out there in the um, community who have had these kinds of experiences, if that's a thing with people um, not sleeping and having terrible insomnia and um, not being able to sleep unless it's the hours from four to seven. But um, basically I feel like I have existed all of these years on sleeping kind of with one eye open or like, you know, how, how dogs kind of sleep. Like I'm always slightly aware of what's happening or going on. It's like, there's a daytime gene and there's an evening gene, you know, daytime gene just is like normal. Um, I've had a, you know, a, a jobs that I've had for one job in particular at NYU for a very, very, very long time. Um, and, you know, you go to work, you raise your family, you try to be normal. Um, you know, I think part of that effort is also in many ways thinking that maybe someday people will believe me, you know, like if I lead just a very normal life, if I do normal things, if I'm responsible and maybe someday somebody actually might believe that this thing really happened to me and that it's not just some story I'm telling, you know, for what gain, I have no idea. Um, (laughs) you know, I don't know why I would tell this story. Um, uh, and so there's like daytime gene and then there's nighttime gene, you know, and the nighttime gene is literally like, I, you know, you just have to, uh, you know, you're still living with the event. Stay stay at it. Yeah, absolutely. Stay at attention. You know, tonight could be the night. You never know what's happening. Yes. Yes. Constant, constant vigilance. Honestly, Uh, we talked about this. um, Do you you think this is why you lived in New York for some, I mean, in a city? Absolutely. I lived in New York City because I felt like it was less likely that I would encounter have an alien experience in New York City because of the buildings and because of all of the people living in the apartments. I just thought, right, there's that's that's very limited chances of having an encounter in New York City. So I will continue to live in New York City for most of my adult life um, because I'm too scared to um, go anyplace else. Like going on vacation for me or like a trip into the woods. I mean, we had a house up in the Catskills for a while. And man, I just like, there was no sleeping then, yeah. you know. So, I, I yeah. just so um, the reverberations of this are pretty. Are, yeah. <laughs> yes. And your yeah. now your your husband did did you tell him about this experience before you were oh, married? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. He yeah. he knew about the and he still you know decided to marry me so that was nice mm-hmm. but um uh yeah he he knew about it he he's known about it all along yeah, yeah. and we actually um ten years later had um another experience oh. slightly different but um at my in-laws house um where I had you know what I'll call sort of like a mini version of this experience that I had when I was fifteen um and um much less about light and much more about sort of sound um and feeling kind of this manipulation 
again, um, starting. Where are you? Um, where are you? You're not in Connecticut. Now this that's now this is in Alabama. This is in Huntsville, um, Alabama, and um, it's again, you know, in the middle of the night. And um, I wake up to hearing this, you know, strange vibrational sound. And at first, I thought it was maybe a hell, or hoped it was maybe a helicopter. Um, but I keep hearing it getting sort of louder and louder. And then I'm like, Oh my God, like what here, here, like what is happening here? Here we go or whatever. So I go to take my hand to wake up Troy. And I am again, aware that something is sort of with me, um, or things or a force or energy is with me, um, in the room. And I start to become visually with you or is it more no sense- not in the sense- same way not not in the same way at all just s- sensing i can sense that i'm being kind of manipulated and um and then i hear this very loud engine sound um and then it stops like just stops what i how i was kind of being held up and then i'm like okay like as if i just kind of got dumped you know and I wake up Troy and I'm like, Troy, oh my God, they're here. They're here. Wake up. And he's like, what's your nose? Like, they're here. Did yeah. you hear that sound or whatever? And he's like, oh my God. So, okay. What are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. They're here. And I, I completely, I like went like spiraled, completely spiraled, total panic attack. Um, freaking out. A friend of ours was also staying there. I ran into his room. I was like, did you hear that sound? Oh, Jesus. Um, and he he was like no but something something definitely like has woke me up like i before he heard me talking something had woken him up and he he felt like very scared or whatever of this noise um anyway so the next day Troy goes downstairs it's early he goes he wakes up early his dad is downstairs and he, he walks downstairs and his dad said did you hear that noise last night and Troy was like well i mean i didn't Gene heard, yeah, something happened last night. And Troy's dad is a military guy. And he was like, I, I woke up and I thought, something's, you know, not right. Something's really not right. Like there's something floating over the house, or there's like an engine over the house, or there's a helicopter flying over the house. So he got up and he went downstairs and he opened the front door. And then he said he felt like he just kind of got stuck there. Mm-hmm. Hearing this noise at the front door. And he couldn't go out and he couldn't really move. And the sound was so intense. And he was shocked that none of us had come downstairs. And he kind of got unstuck, you know, it ended and he got unstuck and he went up and he told, woke up his wife, Eileen, and said, you know, did you hear that noise? And she was like, what noise? And he was like, you didn't hear that noise. And I was kind of downstairs and I got stuck kind of at the front door. And she was like, what do you mean you got like stuck at the front door? And he was like, I'm stuck. And then I couldn't, I couldn't. I, I don't know. It was weird. Something was weird. Anyway, so he starts telling this to Troy and Troy is like, well, Jean wakes me up in the middle of the night to say that they were there. Like there, she felt this, you know, being there or whatever. And I, and then I, I think that's when we sort of revealed to Troy's parents that I had this mm-hmm. UFO experience because I don't think we had told them that earlier on. Yeah. Um, and so um, what was their you know, but, what was their response? What was their, how did they process it? Larry, you know, Larry is um, like a military guy, psychologist. Um, he was definitely like that was something was very strange. This was not something like normal. 
Um, um, and Eileen, Eileen didn't hear, you know, she didn't hear any like Troy. She was like, Lena, I, you know, so they both didn't really know what to say about it because they didn't really have an experience. Um, I mean, they did have an experience. They just don't remember, but, um, I, Anyway, so that was kind of, that was the last, you know, experience. And I can say now that I've lived for a long time, much longer than in my, you know, youthful years. Um, you know, the, every year that goes by, I just, you know, know that this is, it just confirms for me, right? This wasn't dream state. This isn't sleep paralysis. This isn't, that. these are experiences that are so outside of, what anybody would deem as like, you know, sort of just normal living. And I, I don't have these continual experiences, right? These are not like I have one every week or, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't um, invite at all into my life. I think I mentioned, might've mentioned to you, Tom, that I had tried to, somebody gave me the communion book because I think they thought it might make me feel better <laughs> if I knew somebody else out there in the world had a yeah, good experience. No, right. like yeah. That. Um, and so they gave me the book and I started reading, you know, the first chapter and I was like, no, absolutely not. I am not going in here because I started to recognize, um, like little behavioral things. I think one of the things was like closing kitchen cabinet drawers and, and doors and things like everything in my house has to be buttoned up every night. Yeah. There cannot be a door that's cracked open. There cannot be a drawer that's left open. There cannot mm-hmm. be a medicine cabinet open. I do. I take the tour. And I think this gets mentioned maybe in this book. And I was like, you see, I don't know if I need to know that that's happening to other people. You know, I just, I just don't want to know that like, I'm actually sort of part of, of that experience. You know what I mean? In a way it's like, I was curious as to whether you had engaged with any of the, uh, like the literature or the uh, studies that have been done on people who've had experiences like this. And so I don't know if you, it makes me too. It's, it scares me too much. It's sort yeah. of, it, you know, tri- if I can use the word trigger, you know, yeah. it triggers me in a way that, um, it makes, you know, during daytime hour sort of gene, it, it shakes yeah. me up too much to, um, uh, yeah, I, I just feel like I'm inviting something in yeah. that I just don't want to keep, you know, thinking about that, all the time. I, guess you I, know? I feel a little tender about asking some questions. I yeah, no, go, go. Feel about it, but I or just things no, that I'm perhaps because uh, I'm the fact that your mother had had an experience when she was also a teenager. I think you said right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, and it says I know you don't want to engage with the sort of the the community or the history of it, but you know that that's like extraordinarily common amongst people who've had experiences like yours. That it's multi it re- generation. Really, it tends to run in families sometimes for many generations. Um, yeah. And that, and that most people, Oh, that makes me sort of nervous now for my children. Okay. It's going to be okay. It's well, it's yeah. It's no, you're not, it's, uh, I don't want to say this, but it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, it's not, it's, it's a possibility that, but also these experiences, as you said, some people had these experiences, but they don't know they've had them. Uh, and a lot of people who've had experiences, uh, have multiple experiences that they're not aware of and they, Mm. and they'll sometimes become aware of them down the road but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it definitely you know you know and then it's that's interesting and then the fact that you're you know that your father-in-law got to share in this experience too is yes it's great that you have these corroborating stories i mean yeah. i'm yes as dave said i mean i am i'm happy's the wrong word but I, i'm i'm grateful for you that you had that at least 
So even though it does make it more vivid and of course, you know, real and confirmingly real, if that's a word. Um, but Mm -hmm. the, um, it's, you know, that, that is, that's rare that you get that these experiencers have that. And, and I would say like, there's many aspects that do, that do run through the, that hum, that bot, that inside the body sort of hum deep, almost Mm. below, below audio level thing is, is something you read a lot about. And the, the manipulation, these sort of, you know, reassuring words from these things, you know, that from this Uh entity that um, is probably less than reassuring, but Mm. uh, there's some sort of effort, I suppose, being made that these, I mean, there's, and I don't know if that would be reassuring to you or, or not. It's just, it is remarkable though. The, um, so other people will say, so, so other people say things like, um, like the telepathy sort of stuff. People that's, will that's, talk about that. That's pretty had universal. That experience. Amongst, yeah. Amongst it's people very, had, uh, yeah. And, um, experience, experiencer, I guess is the, the, the common term now. Uh, yeah, the, you know, it's the insp- inspired by being on the podcast, I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't be uh, so, uh, you know, dumb about the UFO world because I really don't know anything yeah. about it. And so I thought um, maybe I should watch an episode of Ancient Aliens, you know, <laughs> like start there. Maybe yeah. so I'll just let everybody talk about Ancient Aliens. That stuff's like, crazy, oh. though. <laughs> okay. So, but I was like, I'll start there. So I, I look at episode one and I was like, oh, no, that sounds too scary. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I got down all the way to the end and then it was like Leonardo da Vinci and aliens. And I was like, oh, I could do that. I could do mm-hmm. a little art and a little, you know, alien. Um, but I, I feel a little silly because I, I don't, I don't, you know, I haven't, but I have absolutely avoided. Well, um, well a lot of people don't, any, want to, don't want to debunk these experiences. will say, oh, these, these are people that are just, you know, inundated with pop culture and they, they, these stories are driven into their brains by all the, you know, by movies and television. And, and clearly that isn't the case with you. These weren't, it wasn't a subject you were interested in. It wasn't a subject you were knowledgeable about. And yeah. yet, and yet you had, uh, uh, very much, uh, a kind of an, an archetypal experience. Um, wow! You know, the missing time is 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 you know uh, extraordinary. Is it almost universal to these experiences? And and uh, right. so people also say things like they they like fell asleep because I've always thought it was weird that I I just you know passed out or fell asleep and yeah. then no people woke up again. That's and like a thing. People have had missing time, like the famous. Barney and Betty Hill story. They were they were traveling. They were on the on the highway, and they had missing time. So it definitely wasn't sleep paralysis for them. They were in their well, cars, and there's <laughs> they also were in their car. Yeah, and there's also and those you know and huh. and a lot of their stuff was recovered through um, some harrowing uh, hypnotic uh, sessions where things were brought up and you know um, at the also the the sort of mesmerized witness or someone kind of adjacent to the experience who is in a sense kind of tranced out, um, can't really kind of has a vague awareness of something going on, but can't really participate or, um, yeah, it, it is, you know, I, I think at the very least, just, just know that there is a, you know, real commonality and, and it's, it's so, um, 
just makes me makes me sad that people have to deal with this in such a private way and that you have you know i mean i think um beyond the you said you you think about this every day uh, who can blame you um what is the what is your what's your takeaway i have two questions uh, one is you know what's your takeaway and feeling about this um this life form or whatever it was. I mean, I guess my question is what, how do you, how do you feel about it? I mean, what would, you know? Well, I sort of, you know, I feel like I can kind of relate it to, or I've, I've tried to talk myself through it being, you know, if I were to wander into the jungle somewhere and I was to meet an animal there and I was to try to communicate with this animal, but I'm picking it up and I'm turning it over and I'm examining it. And then I'm trying to be like, but I'm fine. I'm not going to hurt you. Don't be yeah. afraid of me. Um, you know, I, I sort of related in that way because for a long time I was definitely, I, I was of the mind that um, if they really didn't want to frighten me, they wouldn't have. I mean, if they can, talk to me, if they can manipulate my body, if they didn't want me to be afraid, um, they're clearly smart enough to know how to not um, frighten a human being, perhaps, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They could have given me milk and cookies or something. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm, that yeah. would have made everything better. But they didn't do that. Instead, they just kept trying to communicate me that I, to me that I shouldn't be afraid, yet while still manipulating me and uh, physically you know, sort of being abusive to me. It wasn't my choice that they would be doing this to me. I wasn't agreeing to it. They didn't ask me. If they asked me to open my mouth, maybe I would have said yes, you know? And so I I felt like, so no, it's not good. <laughs> I felt that way for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, this they, they're, they're not, it's not good. It's not good that they did this. They are so powerful. We have no idea what they want. They didn't tell me what they wanted. They weren't communicating. Even though I could understand them, they chose not to really communicate with me. So I, a long time I felt like this was a bad thing. Like we should all be terrified. We should all be very, very frightened, which is why I slept with one eye open. Um, In recent years, I think I've come around a little bit more to an understanding of, um, I, I, but I wasn't really hurt that I know of. Um, I, I wasn't, I didn't have any injuries. I, um, so I wasn't harmed physically really in that way, in any way. Um, but I, um, so I kind of related it to this idea of, you know, what would it be like if you pick yeah. up an animal and you're turning it over? Maybe they don't mean harm. Maybe it's curiosity. Um, and so I elect to force myself <laughs> to think that maybe they're more benevolent than I used to, but I was pretty terrified. Well, yeah, you, well, you're yeah, with a, with whether there was any physical harm done to you, you're, you're living with a, um, a psychological trauma and, uh, and, and PTSD. I would I would say pretty definitely um, yeah. from this event. So yeah, you know, um, did you, have you guys seen the Wes Anderson movie um, Asteroid City? Did you guys uh, yes, see I Asteroid saw City it just uh, last night? Yeah. yeah. So, so good. But there was this moment in it where, you know, there's this alien appearance and my dear, sweet daughter, Coco, you know, leaned over and like checked in with me, like, are you okay? You know, cause there's an alien here. And yeah. I thought like, it, it really just showed me that the awareness of my own kids, you know, as to the impact of what happened to me 
all of those years ago. Yeah. Um, that even though I don't talk to them about it on a daily basis, you know, they are very keyed into like any TV show, anything that happens that has anything to do with, you know, they all like lean in and they're like, is she okay? Is yeah. she going to be okay? You know? What, what um, was their initial, I mean, when mom shares this story when they're uh, 16, I mean, if you, if you, if you want to share what their response was, but I am my my kids knowing just that I and Dave and I are having you know these conversations. I I sort of try to go to my you know Luca or Amelia, and they they I don't know. There's a little bit of now I've noticed this just with my kids in general. Like it it takes a minute. Like they're sort of like there's kind mm-hmm. of like a what do you what do you want me to do about this? You know, like I'm sort of like. I don't know. Just be like, be aware. It's, this is important. You know, this is, and they're like, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. Like I'm convinced you convinced me. I'm like, well, like they're near. Sometimes they take a minute, like it, it processes later and they, then they sort of, it might come out in other ways, but there's usually sort of yes. a, a delayed emotional response. I am, I'm wondering what that, what that was like for them. Yeah. I, I, um, I told, I think, you know, with the, with my oldest daughter, I remember specifically pulling her aside uh, selectively, you know, at 16 and being like, so listen, I've got to tell you the story about this thing that happened to me. Um, and, and she was so lovely and, uh, you know, you know, sort of said like, oh, so that's why you don't watch X-Files with us. Or you like, she started putting pieces together like, oh, so that's why you don't sleep ever. Or, you know, so she immediately started seeing a pattern that I had created in my life that she recognized immediately when I told her that story. Um, and then the other kids, uh, we told them all at a, um, at a Thanksgiving um, day weekend when everybody had gathered together and we um, just kind of had to sit down and said, you know, to the cousins and, and to the kids, you know, here we go. So I'm going to tell you the story of this thing that happened to me. Um, and I, I tried to not make it too, uh, you know, scary um, but I was honest about that. I, I really was terrified about it. And um, uh, I think on some level, you know, I just wanted them to know, oh, I'm going to feel silly saying this out loud, but it is true. And so it's just a thing that goes in my mind, you know, just in case someday I should just not be anywhere, you know, I just didn't want them to think, I just wanted them to know yeah. that this thing had happened to me, you know? Yeah. So I, I, at some point thought it might be important to just be like, I don't know, you know, maybe someday I just might not be around. And so, um, I'd want them to know that. This is the whole so picture that they of mom. Aware. Well, yeah. it's just, it's who you yeah, are. It's, this it's, is the whole picture of mom, but it's also, it's not just, it's not the whole picture of me. It's the whole picture of our humanity. I mean, yeah. this is. Well, that's, a, I'm wondering, um, like, I don't know what kind of frame of reference your kids had already to be able to hear the, the your story. I don't know if they had any you know, uh, any knowledge of the sort of the, the, I guess the, the genre of fiction around this subject or the, yeah, they definitely, or or stories of things that have happened to people. Yeah. I think my kids, just because of the time they grew up in and, you know, sort of YouTube videos, I think my kids probably had a little bit more of the sort of UFO lore, um, in their, in their lives. Um, but, um, I mean, I'd like to think that they all instantly believed me because I am their mother and I've been a really good mom. And I think they trust me that I wouldn't lie to them about something like that. So I think they all just, um, there was no real cynicism on their part. You know, they, they, they believed me. Um, 
but perhaps it's a little bit easier because of the age in which they're growing up, because there are more reports of these things that they could also believe in that. And maybe there is a little bit, a little bit less of a culture in which people are just inherently not believed. Um, You could ruin your reputation. Um, You could potentially lose your job. There are people I think who probably Mm -hmm. have lost their jobs from coming forward and saying this stuff. Um, and so I think, um, but yeah. Do you, so. do you feel like you maybe steered them towards those things? Because I, I know from being interested in the subject, I'm astonished at how many people that I think of are, who are curious, intelligent people are absolutely oblivious and are basically yeah. still living with stereotypes that were deliberately created back in the, uh, back in the 1950s to shut people up. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, there's the, the awareness is <clears throat> growing, you know, all the time, I think, which is what, what makes it an exciting time to well, you, be a part of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, how did it feel for you when, I don't know if you even heard this, but you know, the Chuck Schumer, um, you know, who's the, you know, the, uh, majority yes, yes, Chuck Schumer. That, you know, yes. come forward. He's written. Did like, he have a, he's written. A visit? <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Oh, I was like, but, oh my God, what are you telling me? Check yeah, he might, but, but he, he's, he had, I guess he had had conversations with, with Harry Reid, uh, you know, uh, about UFOs and, you know, extraterrestrials and things. Because uh, Harry Reid was the one who funded uh, the, the uh, secret uh, research that was being done in the government on UFOs. Um, but he just came forward and, and wrote legislation uh, that, that basically saying if uh, there were people out there have materials have uh craft mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. that basically the government wants it and that they're yes. going to exercise eminent domain and claim it yeah. now but owns he, it yeah yeah but he's also he also said point blank he said the american people have a right to know about non-human intelligences yeah uh, that's out yeah. loud. He said it out loud. I know. I know. But the weird thing is, no one's covered it. It seems like nobody's paying attention. That's exactly, no, no. exactly right. I mean, I watched the NASA um, announcement, you know, and I'm here at work and I'm yeah. watching the NASA announcement. And I was like, you guys, you know, like NASA is talking about this UFO thing. And I, everyone I talked to, no, nobody, no, nobody paid attention. Nobody's paying attention. And no, well, I mean, uh, it's a very few, odd. A right? few weeks ago, Chris, uh, Kristen Gillibrand passed. Uh, wrote legislation, her committee uh, on the intelligence committee wrote legislation uh, that was aimed at cutting off funding to secret UFO programs. And it was again, very detailed, um, clearly based on information that she was receiving from Mm. whistleblowers. um, And that was, that was going through like step by step going where, where, where all of the lore and all of the, like what people in the UFO community have been saying for years Basically, step by step, wow. going through all of these avenues of how they've been hiding things and trying to cut it off. Wow! So, and still no, no, no but no. still no coverage in any of the major networks. No coverage in any of the newspapers. It's so starting to it's yeah. starting to trickle out a little bit, but it's one of those rare things where the government, on a at a on a bipartisan level, at the highest levels, at the most, you know. The Senate Armed Services Committee and the Intelligence Committees are these like austere, you know, moderate, you know, they're considered like the most serious minded, right? They're dealing with the secrets of the world. They're, you know, they're they're typically very kind of apolitical. They have been leading the charge in terms of getting this legislation going and in terms of listening to high level intelligence people 
And it sounds, you know, it sounds like banana cakes shit, like, but it's really taking place yeah. that, that yeah. like high level spies basically. And people working in, you know, are saying like, this is happening and I just don't want to lose yeah. my job. I don't want to lose my security clearance. I don't want to lose my, and so you hear these senators making these very loaded innuendo statements about like lots of people are coming forward saying this yes. with yes. very high levels yes. of security clearance and credibility. And it either yeah. they're collectively crazy or something that we're not quite trained to deal with is going on. And that has all sorts of implications, but in terms of something as personal uh, as your story, you know, perhaps that can, outside of what it means for this, the world and the universe and all of us, you know, maybe that's some, you know, reassurance that I believe these stories will be, there will be more of them. I think it's hugely, you know, courageous and thank, again, thank you for like trusting us yeah. with this because it is a, you know, this is, uh, that's, that's not easy stuff to recall. Um, or share. And I know that, you know, it's something very private and it's not something you've ever sought to profit from or publicize. Yes. God knows, you no. know, I mean, I know. And, and it's like, no. so I think just yeah. sharing this um, will, will be helpful. And I think there will be, you know, people hopefully will be, will feel like, okay, there's a little more allowance. There's a little more, you know, the world is slowly and in fits and starts, but coming around to, the you know the, the size of this situation the scale of it the scope yeah. of it um i mean do you think it's because so there are so it, it got to just a volume it just got to a numbers game there were so many people who were having so many experiences that the it just it just couldn't contain itself anymore or why do you think that the government now is choosing now to come out with all of this stuff. It's hard to say. I wonder if it's some part of it may be just the rise of social media and citizen journalists and um you know just the the uh just the you know the many tentacled arms of the internet. Um yeah. that that you couldn't because it was they were very effective at at framing the story so that all of the media, you know, both both the news media and entertainment media would always frame in such a way that it's all fantasy and anyone who believes this is crazy. And, um, and then within the, within the military, within commercial aviation, they basically framed it that anyone who talks about this loses their job, loses their career. Right. Um, right. and same thing within the scientific community, any scientist who takes this subject seriously, their career is over. Um, there, so there's only been a handful of people. We had, a, we had our, our friend Paul Hynek on, um, and his father was J. Allen Hynek, who was the lead scientist on Project Blue Book. Oh, okay. And so, okay. so for many, many years, you know, basically J. Allen Hynek was the only one of the only people going out and saying, you know, he was hired to be a skeptic and a debunker, and he went on to be a great advocate for people who have had experiences. Wow. Okay. You know, um, but that, it, but I think they, I will have to check him out. <laughs> yes, and it's a very interesting story, and. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, yeah, it might just be that there's, there is just, there are too many avenues for people to get access to the information and there are too many people and, you know, and they also, I guess back in the sixties, they introduced something called the freedom of information act. And 
trouble is they they wrote a lot of documents before that they never thought would see the light of day because they didn't think anyone would write something as stupid mm. as the Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> um, so so going back to before that time, there's there's a lot of documentation of the of the oh. government taking UFOs really seriously, of the military taking them very seriously, um, but publicly ridiculing, mocking, and and character character assassination and destroying lives. Like yeah, I mean it's. You know, it's there's so much harm has been done with the uh, the debunking and the uh, uh, yeah. the, the stigma. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are just we're we are definitely not alone. For sure, starting to look that way. Uh, yeah, sure, looking yeah. that way. And I think the the only thing I would say, just in terms of you know more recently, that this this whistleblower law seems to really be like it's significant and grows because it's. Um, the only protection that people inside these probably really old legacy programs in the government where people weren't really informed, they were probably started in the fifties or sixties. They have just been kind of walled off. The, the people that know about this can come forward and, and not be prosecuted. They can come forward with a certain level of security. And that does seem to be bearing fruit that people are coming forward in greater and greater numbers yeah. saying like holy shit this stuff is here and we've in the scientific community there's there's people at stanford and people at harvard people at, like there's there's there are people who are now more much more willing to talk about this and and yeah. so uh, i think that is part of the reason why and i think experiencers and people like yourself you know who are you know brave enough to talk about it and what you know there there is a kind of critical mass that can build and it's kind of happening right now and yeah um and, and in one one week, there's going to be a, a public hearing uh, in the Congress. It's going to be on C-SPAN Live. Like yeah, and David David Grush. Amazing. Yeah, David Grush is the guy who has outed the yeah. uh, the uh, retrieval and reverse engineering of of craft. Yes, yes. He's going to be testifying with uh, with uh, I think a few other witnesses, yeah. uh, and that 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 could mark a that could. Uh, uh, say Lou Elizondo always says we're approaching a pivot point for humanity, and uh, that pivot point might be might be uh, reached in seven days. Yeah, I mean, wow. some they're gonna they gotta say something. Wow. Well, yeah. we'll all try to say that. You know, we'll we'll try to avoid saying um, we told you so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess all of the people yeah. who've had the experiences out there. Yeah, and yeah. and is do you feel like anyway that the some of the 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 because uh, I think there's still a darkness and a heaviness to to what you went through. Do you feel any of that lifting? At least, at least that that the world is becoming less um, dismissive. Yeah, does that help for you? A long time, I really had just like really two people. You know, my mom and Troy's dad. Maybe. Well, listen. This was. Um, thank you for sharing this. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for doing this. So Thank much. you for, you know, um, I, I, I think this was, uh, you know, just truly fascinating. And, and again, I salute your courage in sharing it and, um, you're great. Uh, it was great to see you and, and, catch up in this you know unique way um thank oh, you jean gotcha. so much well, thank you so thank you so much i i was really appreciated it thank you very oh, much so thanks nice for your sharing. support and your love so thank nice you. to meet of you course. so nice to meet you so nice, and thank, thank you, you thank you for sharing your story that's fantastic and christina sends her love and we'll you know we'll 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 yeah. talk and catch up soon your family oh my gosh beautiful so gorgeous oh, so sweet yours too okay love you right. bye honey 
Bye, Jean. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.